Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Thalma E. LaBelle about her recent book, Whatever Works, the small cues that make a surprising difference in our success at work and how to create a happier office. Alma Lubel, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, you know, I am always excited to talk with experts in their field, uh, particularly when we get to have a bit of an international flavor joining us on the podcast. And you're joining us from Israel right now. Um, And so this is, uh, I interviewed several other international guests in the last couple of weeks. And uh, so it's always fun when I'm interviewing someone in the morning and it's evening um, wherever you're at, and uh, which is certainly the case right now um, with the time difference between Utah and Israel. Anyways, it's, it's a lot of fun to have the chance to, to meet with you today. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and sharing your insights with my listeners. As we get started today, I just wanted to share Thalma's bio with everybody. Thalma E. Lobel is an internationally recognized psychologist who has served as the chair at the School of Psychological Sciences at Tel Aviv University, the director of the Alder Center for Children for Child Development and Psychopathology, the dean of students and a member of the executive board of the university. She has been a visiting professor at Harvard University and a visiting scholar at Tufts University, the University of California at San Diego, uh, and New York University. Lobel has published dozens of articles in some of the most prestigious academic peer-reviewed journals and has received many prestigious research grants. Her latest book, Sensation, was published in 15 countries. And for more information, you can go to her website at thalmalobel.com. Today, we're going to be focusing our attention on uh, Thalma's recent book, Whatever Works, The Small Cues That Make a Surprising Difference in Our Success at Work and how to create a happier office. I thought this was a particularly well-suited book and topic uh, for this podcast, and so I'm thrilled to have someone of your prestige and stature in the academic community who's doing such practitioner-oriented work as well uh, to have that opportunity to talk with you today. Uh, Before we really dive on into the conversation, Thelma, uh, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of personal context um, or any other background or, or insights into where, who you are and where you got to where you are? Well, uh, actually, you described me <laughs> very accurately. But uh, I just want to add that although I was uh, in academia all my professional life, uh, but as you said, and you mentioned, I also uh, was in administration position as, as manager. So I could actually 
could have the two, you know, doing research on what is good at work, but then also inter- I, I have a lot of experience in interviewing, in, in, in finding the right uh, people, in managing many people, etc. So I think the combination is good. And that's why I wanted to write for general audience. Because all my professional life till six years ago, I wrote uh, articles in professional journals, prestigious ones, but professional. But I really thought uh, I want to reach the general audience, not only psychologists to read the psychology uh, journals. So I wrote my first book, which is, you mentioned, Sensation, the New Science of Physical Intelligence, which indeed was translated to many, many languages. And uh, I really was so satisfied that so many people read it and asked me about it and got the email. And that's why I wrote this book, Whatever Works, which I think gives a lot of takeaways to people how to be happy at work and to succeed at work. And we'll talk about it now, I hope. Yes, yes, we will. Excellent. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons why you struck me as such an interesting person to interview is because there's so much overlap between the types of scholarly work that you do and that I do. Um, and we both have a lot of that scholar practitioner kind of orientation uh, and experience. Um, so so I, I've had a similar background to yours. I'm a, a sociologist rather than a psychologist. Um, but uh, I, I teach in the business school and I've had administrative roles and positions and I do consulting work. And uh, it's been a really nice um, combination to, to bring those two worlds together. And I, just like you, I, I've had that same frustration. You know, I've published a lot in academic journals and that has value and, and it's important to, to further the, um, the academic uh, endeavor, you know, and, and to build upon the scholarly knowledge and increase our, you know, our scientific understanding around these concepts and these, these principles. Um, but it is kind of frustrating when you, you spend a lot of time on a, a big research project and then you write up an article and it gets submitted. And even when it lands in a really great journal, um, there's really only so much um, that can come of that because it's targeted towards other academics. And so even if, if it's picked up, you know, if it's very widely recognized and picked up by a lot of people, that's still a relatively small group. Um, and it, it isn't necessarily reaching the end of the row in terms of getting to practitioners and helping improve organizations. And so that's something that I, I've found, you know, is that doing the practitioner side and connecting the scholarly to the practitioner um, people, you know, the, the, the management and leadership orientation in organizations that it really gives us a chance to hit a much wider audience and to help improve the lives of a lot more people. And that's certainly been my goal uh, throughout my career. Um, so. You've actually said exactly, you took the words out of my mouth as you say, uh, that's exactly what's my goal. And I think, I think I've achieved it uh, in the last two books. Whatever works really is targeted to the general audience and really gives takeaways how to succeed at work and to reduce stress and be happier. So it's exactly like yeah. you say. Good. And so maybe that's the answer to my first real question. And, th- and that is why did you write the book? Uh, yeah. Perhaps it was just this this drive for connecting to real people, not just academics. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that went into your decision to write the book? Um, when you got uh, to that no, point? I, it's, it's really the combination of my expertise in these fields 
as I say, the combination of being a scholar on the one hand, but also uh, being the chair of the psychology, psychological school, uh, dean, um, sitting on various boards. So I really know the both sides of the coin. And uh, on the other hand, as I said, uh, I don't want to repeat it, that I really wanted to reach a uh, wider audience and help people. And uh, I, I got, uh, you know, reinforced by the first book that really had excellent reactions and excellent reviews. So I wrote this book, which I think is, a, is at least as good, whatever works, is at least as good as the first book. Already is translating now to several languages. Well, that's, that's great. And congratulations on the success of your books. You. Um, now, let's dig into them a little bit. Um, maybe first starting with the title, uh, Whatever Works, the Small Cues That Make a Surprising Difference in Our Success at Work and How to Create a Happier Office. I mean, so, so much is packed into that. Um, how did you choose the title? Why did you focus in on those elements? And then we can start to dive into more specific pieces of what your book covers. Yeah. So, you know, there are many, many books, uh, How to Succeed at Work. And uh, this book, uh, my book, Whatever Works, is different. That's the title, I think, hints a little bit. Because it doesn't, you know, there are many important books and excellent books, but they focus usually either on motivation, on networking, on something. I'm focusing on something else. I'm focusing on the less obvious things, things that are around us, but we either don't pay attention to them or we are aware of them, but we are not aware how they influence our uh, performance, creativity, and satisfaction. And I'm focusing on these. It's the temperature of the room, uh, the layout of the office, um, the, the colors around us. And I'm talking about creativity, whether you should express emotions or not while you are negotiating clothing, their effects, and all these things that we know they exist, but we don't think they matter. Usually people don't think that if there is a blue color in the room, they will be more creative. But I show in my book, which is also, I want to say, based only on studies, not only mine, mainly of many, I reviewed studies from the top researchers all over the world on these topics, and I bring these studies, and then I give the takeaway in the book. Uh, and, and as I said, focus on all these small things that either that are right our under our nose, but we uh, don't think that they matter much. And I show you how very easily to implement all these takeaways. You do better, you perform better, you are more creative, and you are less stressed. And yeah, and and that's the the. The frustrating thing for me as I work with organizations and as I write and speak and, you know, do this work is that I see again and again and again organizations, well-intentioned leaders and well-intentioned organizations really making um, mistakes um, that are easily avoidable or easily fixable. Um, And a lot of times it doesn't really even cost much money. It saves you a lot of money. Um, And so, you know, for anyone listening today uh, to this episode, please just consider some of the simple things that you can start implementing and changing almost immediately with almost no cost that will, that will uh, produce greater um, productivity. Uh, It'll, it'll increase uh, innovation. It'll increase creativity and it'll, it'll help your team work better together. And, and so if we can um, 
be committed to making a better workplace environment, we can not only add to the happiness of our people, which I think has intrinsic value, um, but also we can we can uh, impact the bottom line of the business. We can actually help the business be more successful, more efficient, um, and and have a stronger competitive advantage in the marketplace. So exactly. Uh, yeah, and, and as you said, uh, these are things that are easy to implement, as I say in the book, and I show them all, uh, and, and cost almost nothing. But you save a lot of money if you do that. I mean, the organization save a lot of money because the people are more productive, less stressed, uh, come, don't miss their work, as I, I will show. And for the workers, it's very easy. And we can start talking about, uh, for example, do you want me to, to talk about uh, the influence of nature, for example, okay? Yes, yes. Let's let's pick out a few of these small things like nature, um, colors, uh, some of those types of things that are very easy to start okay. to implement. So, for example, we are all stressed at work. Some people are more stressed, some less. And on top of that, the COVID-19 definitely adds these days more uh, stress than usual. And, and you know... Uh, People uh, are stressed at work for, for various reasons, for competition, for deadlines, for being afraid that they will lose their job, uh, for boy, you know, conversations with the boss, etc. Et on top of that, in these days, that people started working from home, and some are not, which has a lot of advantages, and we can talk about it, but uh, people have to, to get used to the new situation. People are afraid to be sick. People are afraid that they will be fired or people already lost their job. All this is a lot of stress. So one of the things that was proven to reduce stress is nature. So nature is definitely, you know, people like nature. It's beautiful parks, forests, beaches. But I'm talking not about the beauty, which is, of course, uh, obvious. But uh, there are many studies that showed that people who took a walk or sat in nature, even for a short time, 20 minutes or so, even 15 minutes, and in a, in a minute I'll talk about even less time, uh, compared to those who took the same walk uh, in urban environment, reduced their stress as measured by physiological measures. The cortisol, which is the stress hormone, was lower for those who sat in, uh, in nature than those who took a walk or sat in urban environment. Um, heart rate, uh, blood pressure, it really showed. And of course, the uh, uh, reports, people say that I'm, I'm, I feel more relaxed. It also uh, increased their performance. For example, there was a study done in Stanford where people were uh, asked to either take a walk in the urban environment around the, country, uh, the, the campus or to, to, to take a walk in a park around the campus. And then they were given several cognitive tasks. Those who took the walk uh, in the nature performed better. So it reduces stress, it releases you from a, a mental fatigue and then you perform better. Now you can tell me, listen, it's a very good advice, but not everybody has a park around the home or the office. So if you, what I'm saying, first of all, it doesn't have to be a forest or a beach. Of course, it's great if you have, but you can just go to a garden with some flowers and trees. But suppose you don't have even that. There is, there is a solution. There are studies that showed that people who looked at photos of nature or took an imaginary walk in the internet in nature also reduced stress 
and uh, uh, perform better after that. You can even listen to uh, voices of nature. You know, you can put your earphones and, and listen to birds or waves uh, in the internet if you don't have either the time or you don't have any nature around you. And still it works. So, and what I even want to add one more thing. There was one study that people were asked to perform a cognitive task. In the middle, they were asked to stop and look at the scenery for 40 seconds, not minutes, for 40 seconds, at the scenery of either a concrete roof or a roof which is covered with grass, green grass, and for 40 seconds, and then they were asked to continue the task. Those who looked at the green roof performed better. So my takeaway, the first takeaway, if you're, if, even if you're busy with work, you at a certain point, take a break, even a short one. If you can, go out and look at nature or even take a walk if you have more time. If you don't have time, you can open the window and look at nature if you do have a view. And if you don't have either of that, as I say, take an imaginary walk in the internet, hang photos of nature around your office and look at them. You will be surprised how you reduce the stress and release you from your mental fatigue. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that description. You know, it, it really is a powerful thing. I've experienced it myself. I'm a big believer in taking walks, um, taking walks around the park, uh, going to nature. We, we live near a lake, go to the lake, go. We also live near the mountains. So, you know, go up in the mountains, take a hike. That's a, that's a privilege that I have based on where I live. Cause I, I live in a place that is really close to a lot of different types of, um, just nature. beautiful nature. Um, but what I really like about what you're saying is that we can start to pull this in to the workplace, into the office, uh, in very simple ways. Uh, just having the sounds of nature um, quietly in the background as you work. Just having um, beautiful plants and some scenery um, in pictures around you can make a big difference. Um, these are all very simple things, low cost or almost no cost, um, that people can start doing as long as employers are aware of it and provide a little bit of an encouragement towards their people uh, to, to practice this, right? And part of the challenge, and you alluded to it a minute ago, is, you know, employees don't feel like they can take time off. They don't feel like they can be sick. They don't feel like they can practice self-care because they're worried about... Um, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Yeah, they're just so busy and they're worried about, you know, losing their job or, or being passed over for a promotion or whatever. And so what leaders need to do is model this type of behavior. It's not enough for you to just say it's important to get connected with nature. You, you need to, you know, like actually demonstrate to your employees what you're doing, you know, to practice what you preach and and make sure your office you know, has, has that feel to it. Make sure that your, that your people can see you going on walks. Um, so that they know it's actually okay. It's, you're not just saying it, but you actually want them to do it because it will be beneficial to them just exactly. intrinsically individually as, as you know, we value humans, <laughs> but also it will help the, the team and the organization. It's not only okay. They should be really, as you say, they encourage them. 
So even if you're busy, take a break and do that. Uh, because at the end, you will perform better. You'll be more productive, not less productive, even though you took a break. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And there's so many studies to show this. Um, so how about things like the colors that are in your office? What, well, what does the research tell us about that? Well, uh, there are two colors that increase uh, creativity, and there are studies that show that. It's blue and green. The studies that show that if you're working on a creative uh, idea and, and you, you really are, you know, thinking around and you don't know, take a, a look at something blue or green for, for a few minutes. Studies showed that uh, people uh, who looked at these colors, green or blue, or compared to people who looked at another color or, or didn't look at color at all, just, you know, continued working, performed better on various creative tasks that studies uh, use, like finding um, the, a word which is connecting uh, several other words which are seem not connected, or uh, finding unusual uses for something like a brick. These are studies that, should, that examine uh, creativity. Um, and so, first of all, put something blue in the room. Uh, if, if, especially if you're working uh, on something which demands creativity or green. Blue is even better, but green also is good. Another thing, uh, avoid red, by the way. Red uh, kind of stops you, kind of uh, signals danger or stop. It's the stop sign or the marks that the teacher made when you fail. So avoid red. And this is something, especially when you're working on creative, creative tasks. Uh, another thing that helps you in creativity is doodling. When, uh, when you're working on something, and there, again, there are studies that showed that when you doodle, but not straight lines, but curvy lines, uh, people performed better on creative. They, they uh, came with great ideas compared to those who did straight lines. You can also get up and walk but also in curvy lines, not straight lines. So these are all study, these are all uh, great tips to creativity. There are more in the book. Uh, I want to talk about other stuff, but there are several. And they're all, as you see, very easy to implement. And as you say, it costs nothing. Uh, so there are many uh, uh, things like that that show how you can be creative when you're working on something. Stand up, walk around, or doodle, look at something blue, or look at something green and you will see the, the results. Yeah. Excellent. And, you know, I, I think I don't actually know all of the, the, uh, the psychology behind, you know, doodling in curvy lines or not walking in straight lines. But in my mind, what I immediately think is, well, of course you're, if you get out of kind of linear paths of thinking that it's going to increase your ability to, to be more creative, think outside the box, be more innovative. Um, so maybe there's something about just walking, you know, outside of a straight line that, that gets you in the mindset of not thinking in a linear fashion. If you say getting out of the box, I have to tell you about another study. That oh, okay. Really interesting. Uh, to implement metaphor, you know, people talking metaphors, thinking outside the box. So there's one interesting study that uh, the researchers built a big box and ask one group to sit each one individually, but one uh, in one group, they ask each one to sit inside a box. 
Uh, the other group, each one said outside a box, and the third group had no books. And then they gave them creativity tasks. Those who sat outside the box performed better. So they really acted the metaphor. Another study showed that, you know, when you have a bulb, a, a, a light bulb, uh, which is a sign of aha, you know, like all these animation when you have a light bulb. So uh, the researcher uh, came into the room uh, and said, you know, I see it's a little bit dark here. And in one, in one room, he lighted a fluorescent light. In the other room, he lighted a, a light bulb. Those who, who looked at the light bulb performed better, found a more creative solutions. There are, there are many, many times, as I said, there are many tips. Uh, I don't want to take all the time about talking the, in the whatever words uh, that are really, again, easy to implement and surprising, surprising. I yeah. love this. Yeah, well, that, that, that's great. Um, you know, we're, we're down to just our last uh, few minutes. And I know there's so much packed into that book um, and, and so many great insights. If you had to choose just one or two more things, to share with listeners as a teaser for the book and the types of things that they can try to implement immediately, what would those be? Well, uh, as, as you said, there are so many, so it's difficult for me to choose, but you make me choose, so I will. Uh, people are working now from home and we have a lot of Zoom meetings. So uh, I want to talk about the clothes. We all know that, uh, unfortunately, people uh, judge us uh, and are influenced by the way we are dressed. So this is no news. But uh, I want to talk about the studies that show that the way we are dressed, the clothes, uh, influence the way we behave. And that influences our Zoom meeting. For example, what, what do I say? Uh, there are studies that show that people who uh, were asked to put a white coat, like a doctorate coat, performed better on a cognitive task than another group of people who were not given that coat. Then the researchers did another study and asked two groups to put the white coat, but in one group they said it's a doc doctor's coat, to the other group they said it's a painter coat. Those who were told it was a doctor's coat performed better and those who thought it was a, a, a painter coat on the cognitive task. Another study, which I will not elaborate because we don't have time, showed that people who dress more professionally achieve better concessions in negotiations. Why do I say that? When you are interviewed, in, uh, even in Zoom, and you think, you know, it doesn't matter, nobody sees, uh, you see only my jacket, as you can see me now, but you don't see what I'm wearing. You know, there are all these jokes that people got up and saw their underwear, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking for yourself. Dress as if your people see you all because it influences the way you perceive yourself and the way you behave. So this is one example of uh, takeaway about the clothes. There are many others, but the temperature of the room, uh, whether you choose a, day, a, a window about the, the influence of the daylight, a lot of things you should read really whatever works. It, it really has great takeaways that I didn't make. I mean, I just reviewed the studies. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I really do encourage uh, listeners to, to check out Thalma, check out her book um, and start to glean some of these ideas. Because as you said, Thalma, at the very beginning, um, 
you know, a lot of the studies on the workplace and um, employee engagement and satisfaction and those sorts of things, they focus on job characteristics. They, they focus on various types of policies and practices within the organization, relationships, uh, and all of those factors matter. They do matter a lot. Um, but, you know, those, those are a little bit more challenging types of things to adjust and fix and to create, you know, a healthy culture. That can be a challenging thing. Um, what I really love about this book and about all of the tips um, is that they're not hard at all, really. I mean, there, there are things that you can just start to pick a handful and, and try to implement uh, and, and start to see the impact that it's having. That's not to say we shouldn't do those other things. We should, <laughs> but, but, um, but this we, is we can, this is something else. It, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I hope everyone listening will, will seriously consider um, what are some of the things you can do in your workplace. And if, even if it's virtual right now, um, there are still things that you can do and you, you can encourage your people to do. Well, Thalma, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, before we close, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners um, uh, how they can get connected with you and if you just want to give the last word. So, yeah, first of all, thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed the, the interview and your comments were really important for me. Uh, I have my website, talmalobel.com. You write it T-H-A-L-M-A, Lobel, one word, talmalobel.com, where you can see a lot of my interviews, uh, reviews about the books, etc. And you can email me and I'll be glad to answer any question. I hope you'll read whatever works because as I said, and I hope you, I convinced you, there are many, many takeaways. And after you read it, I'll be very, very glad to hear any feedback, any question and to answer talmalobel.com. Thank you very much. Excellent, thank you. Um, again, I encourage listeners to, get, to reach out, get connected, check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.